Good morning and welcome to West. My name is Andrea Smith and I'm the pastor here. And I'm so glad that you have chosen to take some time to check out West, whether it is on Sunday morning or the days following and listening to us via podcast or via live stream worship. We are right now filming in the West office and in a matter of hours, I and 22 other people are going to be boarding an airplane. We're gonna to fly to New York City and then overnight, we're going to fly to Jerusalem and for the next seven to eight days, we're going to be walking through and experiencing the Holy Land. I'm really excited to share that journey with you. I hope a little later in this message, you'll have a part of what Jews believe and comparing it and contrasting it to Christianity. And that part of the message will actually be filmed from the Holy Land. So I look forward to sharing that with you. We are in the middle of a message series on world religions. And today we are going to explore Judaism. It is ironic that this is the time of year that we are doing this message series. It was not intentional, intentionally planned around this significant date. But do you know, on January 27th in 1945, the Jews were released finally from captivity and from great, great persecution from Auschwitz-Birkenau. And forgive my Southern pronunciation of those words. But in 1933, a man by the name of Adolf Hitler came into power as the German chancellor. And what he instilled instigated was this hatred and animosity and ultimately killing of a whole race of people, or that's what he tried to do. Anyone that was not of Nordic ascent or descent, uh, he wanted to wipe off the face of the earth. He pushed the Germans to believe that anyone that was not of this one particular race was subhuman, inhuman, and subpar. They even had a scale to to grade people on how, how not ultimately uh, superior they were, and the Jews found themselves at the absolute bottom of that scale. They were persecuted, they were killed, and what happened to them is horrific. And so January is actually International Holocaust Month, where as a world, we honor and give memory and pay tribute to the Jewish people and the persecution that they had to live through. Now, it's one thing to say, oh, wow, okay, well, that happened a long time ago. It was a part of the Second World War, and our world is a different and better place now. And in, and in some ways, yes, our world is a much better place, and we are not persecuting the Jews as a, an entire race of people. However, the anti-Semitic view still is very much a part of our world and our society today. About five years ago in Kansas City, a gentleman on Palm Sunday went and attended two different synagogues and killed people coming out of each one. And as he was arrested later on that day from the back of the police car, he was screaming out, Hail Hitler. So anti-Semitic views are still very much a part of our society. The Charlottesville rallies that have occurred and tend to occur yearly, or actually they do occur yearly, those are all about white supremacy. We want to pretend that those things don't exist and it would be easy to turn our heads, but that's not who we as Christ followers are called to be. Jesus descended from the Jewish uh, 
lineage. He was a Jew, but he also instituted a different way for us to view God. He wanted us to experience God in a different way than he was experiencing it in his Jewish Jewish heritage. He did not come to start a new religion. He came to give us a glimpse of the kingdom of God and how it was here and now and also yet to be. So uh, that's what we're going to dive into this morning at West, and, and I'm so grateful that you're checking this out. Judaism traces its history all the way back to the creation of this, the Holy Bible. Now, for our Jewish brothers and sisters, they adhere to what we call, as Christians, the Old Testament. But they do not refer to it as the Old Testament. They refer to it as Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, the Hebrew scripture contains who they are as a group of people, their history, and the way that God has been at work in their lives since the story of creation that is it captured in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then all throughout the Hebrew scriptures, it traces their path from being in love with God, then falling out of love with God, God chasing them, God pursuing them, God wooing them to fall back in love with God. They would do that and then they would do the same thing. They would fall into that pattern. One of the things that I would encourage us to think about is that the pattern of the Jewish people falling in love with God, messing up, screwing up, turning around and turning away from God and then falling back in love with God. And it was a cyclical pattern. That pattern for the Jewish people is also our pattern as Christian people today. And that's one of the points of this message series is that I want to to look at how we are different, yes, but how we also are similar. So we trace our roots as a Christian people back to the Jewish back to the Jewish faith in, in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And this starts out with a man by the name of Abraham. Take a look at the screen. So the biblical history of the Jewish people and the Jewish religion is traced back to a man named Abraham and Sarah. Now, when we first find Abraham in scripture, he is known as Abram, but I'm going to refer to him as Abraham. And their story begins around 2000 BC in the land of Ur, which we know of as modern day Iraq. Soon they move with Abraham's father and his nephew to a city called Haran in southeastern Turkey. Now one day Abraham was hanging out in Haran and God spoke to him and the rest is history. It's recorded in Genesis 12. So hear these words. Leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land that I'm going to show you. I'm going to make of you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name respected and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I will curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. Then Abram left just as the Lord told him. Abraham and Sarah at the age of 75 and 76 left Haran and traveled to the land of Canaan, which we know of as modern day Israel and Palestine. And they settled there. They eventually had two sons. Now the first one, his name is Ishmael. And that is where the Muslim faith traces their heritage to Abraham through him. And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. But for right now, the, the first son of Abraham was called Ishmael and he was by a surrogate mother, Sarah's maidservant named Hagar. 
Now, the second son was born to Sarah later in her life and was given the name, to I, given the name Isaac. And that's who Jews trace their faith to. Isaac and his wife, Rebekah, they had two sons, Jacob and Esau. The, the name Jacob means Israel, which is one who wrestles with God. Israel in Hebrew means one who wrestles with God. And from Genesis 25 on, the rest of the Hebrew Bible is the story of Jacob and Israel and the descendants of the Jewish people. Now, Israel had 12 sons and one daughter, and they became the ancestors of the 12 clans known as the 12 tribes of Israel. Because of famine that happened in the land of Canaan, what we know of as Holy Land, these sons ended up migrating from Canaan to Egypt, and they settled along the Nile River Delta in a region called the land of Goshen. The Egyptians eventually enslaved all of the Israelite people, and they remained slaves for hundreds of years until God called this man named Moses, who was a fugitive. He actually grew up in the house of Pharaoh, but then he committed a crime. He killed a man, so he went out into the desert and was a fugitive there. And then God appeared to him and called him and said, Look, I want you to go free my people from the Egyptians. I want you to be the one who leads them out of captivity. And so Moses listened to God. He went back and through some great hardships and adversity, he had to fight against Pharaoh and he finally led the Israelite people to freedom. Then at Mount Sinai, God makes a covenant with the people of Israel and he gives to Moses the terms of the covenant. It was a law code and they were to live by this law code in relationship with God and with one another and the nations around them. The essence of this law was captured in what we know of as the Ten Commandments, which are etched in stone. Concerning the covenant, the binding agreement that God was making with God's people, God said, look, if you will faithfully obey me and stay true to my covenant, you will be my most precious possession out of all the peoples. Since the whole earth belongs to me, you will be a kingdom of priests for me and a holy nation. So that is a bedrock principle of who the Jewish people are and why they feel as if they are God's chosen people. Now, the people eventually entered and conquered the land that God promised to Abraham hundreds of years before, and the rest of the Hebrew Bible tells their story of their history from the conquest of Canaan about the year 165 BC um, throughout their history. Now, I'm not going to walk you through all of those parts and those pieces, but one thing that's important to note is that the Jewish people during this time, they were in love with God. And then they would steer and veer away from the law. And then they would fall back in love with God again. They didn't have a king, but then they kept begging for a king. So God appointed kings. First there was Saul, and then there was David, and then there was Solomon. King Solomon actually had the Jewish temple built, which was destroyed in AD 70. But my point is that they would follow God, they would fall away, and then they'd follow God again. And so ultimately, you know, the prophets told them that God's Messiah is going to come. The Jewish people 
people are still waiting on that Messiah today and, and they did not expect the Messiah to come in the way that Jesus came. They expected the Messiah to be someone that was going to come and institute peace on earth. And, and as followers of Christ, we understand that he talked about peace and, and showed us what peace could really look like. But it was a, a total different way than the Jewish people expected it. So the Jewish people uh, revered Jesus Christ as a prophet, one of the many prophets that they had, but they do not honor him as their Messiah today. Greetings from Jerusalem. We've been here three days, but it feels like three weeks, honestly, with all the different places that we've been. We have toured all these various churches that are on sites that tradition says, and when people say tradition says, it probably means that it didn't really happen exactly that way. But since Constantine and his mother, Helena, after the time of Christ, made Christianity the state religion, they have built you know, churches and temples on top of these sacred places. And so over the past three days, we've visited all of those. I invite you to look on social media on uh, several different West folks pages, Tracy Wade or Lance Armstrong or Scott Smith or mine. I have probably the least pictures of everyone, but uh, there's lots of other people as well. But uh, hopefully you've been able to follow along with our journey here and uh, some of the pictures of the things Things that we've experienced. I'm most excited about the next few days that are yet to come. We're going to go tomorrow to Jericho and to the Dead Sea, and then we're going to go to the Jordan River on Monday and revisit our baptism. So I hope you'll follow along with that journey. I chose this week to study Judaism because I would I knew back when I planned this message series that we would be in Jerusalem. And I hoped that I would have something powerful that I could share with you from here. There are a few more historical things I want to say to you in this part of the message about Judaism. First of all, we may think that it is a monolithic faith tradition. And what that means is that, you know, it started clearly before the time of Jesus uh, was a couple of thousand years old. And then in the time of Christ, that after he died, it just stopped with the Hebrew scripture. And that is not true. Judaism has continued to develop and grow over time. And actually, just like any of our faith traditions that Christians have, uh, it has evolved. And so there's three different types of Judaism. There's a conservative branch of Judaism, more like the Hasidic Jews, and they follow the Torah and the Mishnah, which is known to be the, the oral law that's been passed down for centuries. And so like yesterday at 5 p.m., pretty much the city here came to a standstill. And everyone, everyone that was is a practicing Jew follows the tradition of Shabbat Shalom, which is their Sabbath. And they take, Jews take their Sabbath so much more seriously than we as Christians do. So pretty much at Friday at dusk, at sundown, the, the city just started coming to a standstill. And then has continued throughout the day-to-day. -day. So there's a conservative branch of Judaism, that one. Uh, the men, if you ever see a gentleman with the long curls down, down the sides of his face, that would be the branch of Judaism that's Hasidic Jew. And the women dress very modestly in black and always wear dresses, etc. So there's that. And then there's a middle ground. And then there's a progressive branch of Judaism. And it does not 
not follow uh, literally the Torah and believes that it has changed over time and can be understood within the context of culture and society. So just like Christianity has different branches, Judaism does as well. Even the progressive, the progressive branch of Judaism has women priests. And so it's just interesting to study all the different branches. And, and there's so much more than I have time to tell you right now. I wanted to touch on a few key things that Jews believe. They honor and believe what's called the Shema. And so on the airplane ride over here, we saw uh, in the middle of in the middle of the night or at different times on the airplane ride, all the Jewish men on the plane would get up and they would gather together. And on their forehead, they would have like a tiny little scroll that was wrapped up and that was tied around their head with two different bands. And they also had it uh, tied around their arms as well. And so what we learned from our guide here, whose name is Tamar, and she is a Jew, uh, we learned that that means that they carry the word of God it has certain words on it from the book of Deuteronomy. They carry it close to their brain and to their heart. It's supposed to always be near their mind and their heart and and in their soul. And so that's interesting. And that's the verse that we talked about a little last week when we studied Hinduism. And we talked about Jesus and what Jesus' call was, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the Jesus perspective. Well, Jesus was a Jew. And so the Shema is, is the verse from, or are the verses from Deuteronomy. And it's here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, a monotheistic God. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so the Jewish people, that is what they adhere to. That's what shapes and forms everything that they do. And, and like I said, they follow their Jewish customs and the religious laws, uh, depending on which branch that they adhere to. So that is what defines them. Now, there was an ancient rabbi during the time of Jesus, Rabbi Hillel, and he sort of gave, well, not sort of, sorry, he gave this like the opposite of the golden rule. The golden rule we, of, that we know of it, of it is that you should do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, Rabbi Hillel, who is is a, a famous ancient Jew said that you should not do unto others as you would not have them do unto you. So that also is a, a major tenet of the Jewish faith. And we know that Jesus, you know, turned that around. And so the last thing that I'd like to talk with you about uh, concerning Judaism is the afterlife. You know, so what do they believe in regard to the afterlife? I asked Tamar that yesterday because I knew what I'd read as I been studying for this message, but I wanted to hear her perspective. And she, she, she stuttered around it for a few minutes. She said, well, you know, that's really hard to answer because, and what she said and what I've read as well is that, you know, they really don't focus, Jews don't focus on the afterlife pretty much at all. They worry about right now what is here and now. They believe in an afterlife, but it is not something that concerns them. They just figure it's going to take care of our take care of itself. Now as Christians, we focus on knowing that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that Jesus talked about all the time is right here right now and will be fulfilled fully 
when we go and are at one with God, which we believe will happen at our time of death. So the kingdom of heaven and God is here at hand and also yet to come. So with our brothers and sisters that are Jews, we're similar and we're different with that. We focus a little more on that uh, than our Jewish brothers and sisters do. So there's, there's two more things that I wanted to talk with you about in regard to Judaism. First is that concern about the afterlife. And, and we as Christians spend a lot of time not just with our Jewish brothers and sisters, but with our Hindu brothers and system, sisters and our Muslim brothers and sisters, wondering and worrying about um, where they're going to spend eternity. You know, we seem to think that we as Christian people have the corner market on heaven. And so we, you know, and even here, as we've been here, several folks have asked, you know, well, are, are Jews going to go to heaven? Because they don't believe in Jesus and they don't accept Jesus as the Messiah. So I would challenge us to remember that our Hebrew faith, our Jewish faith, we, we as Christians descend from that. We recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the one who said, you know, I'm coming to show you the way to God. The Jews have a different idea and a different understanding of God than we do. It's a little like our Hebrew friends that we talked to, not Hebrew, sorry, Hindu friends that we talked about last week. Their understanding of God and their relationship with God is not a personal one. If you would ask a, rab, a Jewish rabbi, he would tell you, he or she would say that no one has ever seen God. Therefore, we don't really have a personal relationship with God. We worship God, but not in in a personalized manner. As followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that Jesus came as God incarnate, God Emmanuel, God with us, and that when Jesus came and walked on the earth and lived among a fellow people, that he showed us, he gave us an image and a beautiful image of who God is and what God is like. He said, I come to show you the Father. I come to give you the Father. And so as followers of Christ, we have that to hold on to. And, and our, our Jewish friends do not do not believe that they believe that Jesus was a great prophet a rabbi a teacher but that he was not the messiah it's also really important to remember that the hebrew the hebrew faith and tradition goes for thousands of years and when Jesus came, Jesus did not come in the manner that they thought uh, the Messiah would come. They were expecting a governmental ruler. The Jewish people had been oppressed over and over again by different groups of people. The Babylonians, the Assyrians. I mean, there's so many times that they were overthrown and taken captive and then freed and then taken captive again. It's, I mean, you have to really be a history buff to follow all that. It's confusing and it's cumbersome. And it's also really sad because it shows the oppression that the Jewish people have lived under. However, when Jesus came, Jesus came to institute the kingdom. But the type of prince that Jesus was, was not the prince that the Jewish people were expecting. It's not the king that they were expecting. Jesus came as the prince of peace. He did not overthrow the Roman government. He didn't set the Jewish people free from their oppressors. He turned the other cheek. 
He taught us to do that. He taught his fellow brothers and sisters that were Jewish to do that. He loved the Gentiles. He loved all people. He did not just have God only for the Jewish sect. He broke the religious rules. And people just couldn't understand. The Jewish people just, for the most part, could not understand that this, this was the Messiah. We, as followers of Christ, viewed Jesus very differently. And that's okay. Jesus said, and I've said it multiple times at West, and I will until I'm either no longer your pastor or I've moved on to the kingdom triumphant, that uh, we are not here to judge. Judge not lest you be judged is one of the things that Jesus said. We get hung up on sin and what a sin is. And like Amy Coles shared with us last week, you know, Jesus talked a lot more about greed than he did about sexual orientation or other things. So maybe we should take a step back from worrying about who's not going to be in heaven. And maybe we could spend more time and more energy on showing others what heaven looks like here and now. Today we were in one of the churches, the church that sits on what tradition says is the holy the holy place where Jesus was crucified and the resurrection tomb might be located. Now, most people don't necessarily, well, I won't say most, but a lot of people don't think that that's where that happened. But anyway, we were there today and I think there were like 3 billion people there with us and it was chaotic. It was confusing. It was crowded. You had to walk up a really narrow staircase to get to the top where you could maybe see the rock, the stone where Jesus, where the cross would have been. And then you go back down and and when I say chaotic and confusing it, it was it was absolutely overwhelming so Scott and I said you know hey look we're gonna go on outside we'll wait on everyone out here as we were walking out uh, all of a sudden security guards were everywhere and I mean Although we have totally felt safe the whole time, it was a little unsettling because all of a sudden there were security with guns and and there was this urgency that we didn't understand. Well, a little while ago, we were sitting downstairs and Troy Siler was sharing with me that he just was really, really upset with the way that the whole procession happened. And, And I didn't know what he was talking about. And he said, you know, the procession of the priest. And I said, say a little more. Well, what ended up happening was as Scott and I were leaving the church, behind us was the procession for the priest to leave the church so that they could go and prepare for their mass. And so the security guards were moving us out of the way and so the cross could come and and all the priests, there were like 25, 30 of them, could come out following us. Well, apparently the rest of our tour group that was still back in the church, they were physically manhandled to be moved out of the way. One of the guards pushed one of the gentlemen, one of the older gentlemen in the group, pushed him so hard he would have fallen down had there not been other people there to catch him. This morning when we started our day, we started it at the Pool of Bethesda. And that is where Jesus healed the paralytic that had been paralyzed for 38 years. And Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. 
And it is one of the game-changing moments in those last days of Jesus' life because the man picked up his mat and he went and he told everybody that Jesus had healed him and the religious leaders were so angry that Jesus had broken that law. Today, Troy said and Tammy said, you know, I get it now. I get why Jesus was so disgusted with the whole religious idea. Because today, pushing a man out of the way, pushing an elderly man out of the way, just so the priests, the religious leaders, could walk down the hallway, that was the most important thing. And we believe, as we read and follow and study the teachings of Jesus, that he would have never, ever done that. So Jesus was frustrated with the rules and the law of Judaism. But I'll remind us as we end this message today, it isn't up to us. And one of the things that I've been most struck by here is the devout way in which the Jewish people practice their faith. I don't even know how many of us pray every time we eat a meal and say thank you, God, for letting us have this opportunity and this food and the resources that we've been given. I'm not sure how many of us do that, much less gather together in an airplane so that we can have a time of prayer or pray three times a day in a devout manner or read our prayer book or read our scripture. I'm not sure. I mean, I know I struggle with the devout practices of my faith and I'm a pastor, so I can only imagine that maybe some of you struggle with me with that as well. The Jewish people, we respect their faith, we respect their tradition, but at the end of the day, we go back to the Shema. Hear, O Israel, hear, O chosen people, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. But then Jesus added just a little more. Actually, it isn't a little more. It's a lot more. Love your, love your Lord your God, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. Maybe we can do that and live together as people of peace. Thanks for joining in worship today.